mentally together. Because whether you can see it on the surface or not, we are all just trying to keep ourselves mentally together. And no matter what our brains are experiencing, we're not alone, we're together. Is your brain like my brain? In the way that your brain has a tendency to overthink everything and therefore likes to overcomplicate things? We talked about this in the episode with Megan Mitchell a few weeks ago. Megan and I related about the fact that our brains can turn one step into 10 steps, and then we get super overwhelmed and complete zero steps. But there, we were talking about work and other creative projects. But I'm realizing that this overthinking and overcomplicating can also apply to just simple human things, like when we are going through a tough time. If I know that a friend or family member is going through something really difficult in their life and feeling really sad, I start thinking, okay, what can I do? What can I say? Which is good, but sometimes I get stuck in that step. Does this happen to you? I feel like I have to come up with something super unique or something big, and if I can't come up with the perfect thing to say or do, I just say and or do nothing, which obviously doesn't help anyone. Sometimes for me, it helps to think of the things people have done for me when I'm feeling sad. And when I really think about it, the things I remember are actually pretty simple. A phone call from a friend to check in on me, a text message, a really good long hug, a warm cup of coffee, and a nice chat, a home-cooked meal. Someone just saying, hey, this sucks. I get it. And honestly, most of the time I probably don't remember the exact thing that someone said, but I remember the intention behind it, how I felt loved in that moment. That's what it really comes down to. We humans crave connection and love and support, so therefore, that's all we really need to give to each other, right? So maybe we, or I'll speak for myself here, I need to do a little less overthinking and a little more just saying or doing something. To think, what would I want from someone in this moment if it were me? I would probably just want to know that someone was there for me and that I'm not alone. Now you might be thinking, man, I wish someone would write a book about how to support a friend going through a hard time, but also since we just determined it's actually pretty simple, it wouldn't have to be a very long book, right? My guest today just released a book about exactly this. She's an author, an illustrator, and a yoga instructor. It's Tracy Subasak. Tracy's new book, the first one she's both written and illustrated, is called Jenny May is Sad. It tells the story of a young girl, Jenny May, who, yeah, is sad. But the book is told from the friend's perspective, and it shows what the friend does to support her through her sad times. Spoiler alert, all the friend does is hang out with her, do fun things when she wants to, allow her to be sad or frustrated when she feels that way. It's a beautiful, simple message that I think we can all relate to. Unless somehow you have never been sad or known anyone who has been sad, and in that case... Robot, how did you find this podcast? Because clearly you're not a human. Also, one thing that comes up in her book and in our conversation is the fact that no one knows you're sad unless you tell them. Which can be great if you want to appear all put together, mentally together, perhaps, to your boss or something. But when it comes to your friends and family, if you want them to be there for you, you kind of have to say it out loud. 
So I loved talking to Tracy about how to start those hard conversations, how her friends helped her through a really sad time in her life, and how we can move and breathe through the grief and stress that can manifest in our bodies. So let's get into it with she's an artist, a yoga teacher, and the author of a children's book that made me cry. It's Tracy Subasak. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And thanks for asking me to be on your show. Oh my gosh, I'm excited. Thank you for asking me if I wanted to read your brand new children's book, Jenny May is Sad. It is so good. I mean, children's books, they always have like a deeper meaning behind them, usually like the good ones at least. But I guess I haven't read a lot of them in a while. I didn't think that a children's book would like really resonate with me enough to make me cry. And it did. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's, oh, I mean, I think my hope is that at all ages can read it and feel something about it, especially, you know, we all been through so many hard things over the past year. So I think it's a good book to be out in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. Did you write it during the pandemic or was it already in the works beforehand or when did it come to be? Uh, It came to be, I wrote it uh, after my mom passed away. So it was like a month after she passed away. I was sitting in a hammock in my backyard and like the first line came out, Jenny May is sad, but you might not be able to tell. And that was because that is exactly what I was feeling. It's like, it's really hard when you're sad or you're grieving and the world doesn't pause for you to like deal with it. You just have to go to school, you have to go to work, and we have to just like, be like, okay, I'm gonna go do the thing. And I was really feeling that in that moment. So that's where it started. It was four years ago. Wow, well, I'm really sorry about your mother. I, oh, that just breaks my heart. I'm thinking about my mother and who I luckily still have. And I'm yeah, sorry. Give her big hugs. <laughs> yes, I know. I want to give her a big hug. And this is the first book that you wrote and illustrated, right? Yes, it is. That's so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I guess I've written a lot of books, but none of them have gone into fruition. As oh. many readers <laughs> know this experience. <laughs> yeah. So was the process, did it make you more emotional, like trying to put it to paper. It was definitely cathartic. It was like, you know, it's just so hard when you're grieving to know how to express it. And I think a lot of it feels, for me, I've noticed that I've gravitated to a lot of media, like books and shows and movies that like deal with some form of grief. And I'm like, oh, that's how they kind of, you know, you kind of like hold it all in. And a lot of it feels like a burden to others because it's sad, you know, you don't want to make other people sad that it's just what you're living. So it was so helpful to just like be able to express in that form and kind of explore that feeling. But, you know, the, the most, the, probably the thing that made me most emotional was like the support of my friends and thinking about them as I wrote the book. I was just like, well, my friends, they're so nice. <laughs> so, yeah, it was definitely, it was like a roller coaster of, of feeling loved, feeling pain and all of the things. Yeah. Has it brought up more conversations about your grief or other people's or just emotions that 
maybe you didn't have those talks before? Yeah, I think it allowed me to be able to talk about it more because it was, it's just such a new feeling to to do that. Yeah. I mean, everybody goes through some time in their life where they're sad. So if we can just talk about it a little bit more. Yeah. I, I mean, another thing is that it just takes time to know when your time has come to be able to say the thing or like the realization, like, oh, yeah, this is heavy or I finally have the time to be the ability to talk about it um, outwardly. It takes a special person to be able to open up to. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember what that was like, like when you actually finally did open up to somebody about it? Yeah. I mean, I think it happens a few times. And I think one of the things that the reason why I wrote the book from the perspective of the friends was because there were so many times where I felt like, oh, like shut down. And it's not like a fault of anyone. It's just like our society is uncomfortable with death and cancer and sadness. And it's just like, oh, we need to turn that off. Like, it's not okay to be sad right now. Where it's like, well, it's there. So (laughs) (laughs) tell me it's not okay, but I am sad. So Uh, what do you want me to do? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there were a few times where I remember the feeling where like Ms. Abbott, who's in the book, that's my friend Zoe. uh, When I told her, she was just like, you could tell how much she just related or was able to like show compassion to the situation. And she was like, all you need to do is like validate the experience, right? Like, yeah, that sucks. Whereas like pushing it away was a little challenging for me because I already like took so much courage to to, like pull that lump out of my throat and say like, Mm. this is hard. Yeah. At the same time, it's like, it's hard to say, talk about it all the time to like everyone. And sometimes it's nice to just like, you know, in Jenny May's experience, like go to school and be like, I'm just having fun. I'm doing school. I'm learning because you can't like stay in the well all the time to function in life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then what you mentioned a little bit ago of like, we feel guilty putting those feelings onto another person too, which is so understandable. But at the same time, like the other person probably wants you to feel happy and be able to get it off your chest. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a huge thing. Like friends want to be there for you. And that's, Something I had to learn too is like, huh, if I actually like say what's going on, <laughs> like the friends frolic, you know, they're like, what do you need? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? Then so, you're like, whoa, 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 I don't need everybody. Okay, that's too much now. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's really beautiful. Friendship is a beautiful thing. How did that feel once you did realize your friends were frolicking and they wanted to support you? I mean, it's just like the best feeling in the world, isn't it? It's just this deep love that you can be like all of yourself. And then <laughs> the friends come and they're like, I love you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Here's some chocolate. Like, here's Aww. some hugs. <laughs> so, yeah. And it just pulls you closer to each other. Totally. Yeah. What are some of those things that your friends did when they were there for you to try to show you love and help you feel better? 
Oh, so many things. <laughs> oh gosh, there's so many things. I have one friend, Shana, who would like, she would just check in on me every day and just be like, how's it going? How's it going, pal? And it was just like, <laughs> just opening the door, you know, for me to say whatever I needed to say. And sometimes I was just like, oh, I just need a joke, <laughs> you know, like, or something heavier. And food was just a huge thing. Like, I have like these handful of friends where I just like go to their house and lay on their floor and then like we <laughs> next together and like watch stupid TV. And it's just so nice. <laughs> it's like to do nothing together and something together at the same time. Yeah. Just like yeah. in the same place, being as sad or not sad as you need to be in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think the presence is, is really key. Yeah. Do you remember, you said that, you know, when you were going through your grieving process, it was kind of a new thing for you to figure out how to open up and do that. Do you remember growing up? Was that something you did? Like were emotions and things talked about or was that kind of? Yeah, they were talked about, I would say. When I think about my emotions as a child, (laughs) I had big emotions, you know, Mm -hmm. just like I'm pretty calm person, but then something would be so overwhelming. I think I had a lot of had slash have, you know, the inner anxiety mm-hmm. that would just swell up. And then, you know, I would emote. And then I think my parents both had their own ways. You know, I think my mom, I was very full range with her and we would have like a little blowout and then we would have a nice little talk (laughs) after some space would be had. Uh Uh, And then dad, I would have like, you know, we would talk about how we deal with things a little bit more. So it was just, I think they both had their own offering. that was really special. Um, Definitely as an adult, there's a lot more growing that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Do you remember what any of those things were that you learned of like, this is how we're going to deal with things that actually have helped you? Hmm. Like as an adult, the biggest thing for me is to just breathe. Yeah. And like take 10 breaths before I say anything (laughs) or like, or think something and just making sure. I think a big thing too is like, especially if there's like a dispute or conflict, like, generally everyone is just thinking for themselves and not, and that's it. That's it. They're just thinking about themselves and not trying to uh, harm in any way. There's like always a space of, of care that's taken. So yeah. Communication. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I've been taking a mindfulness based stress response for the last it's eight week class. We're on the last week and a couple of weeks we focused on mindful communication. And that one is an interesting one to think about as I'm talking like, Ooh, and they told us everyone in any communication, what you're doing is like expressing a need. And so it's like, Oh, what do I need in this moment? What is the other person needing in this moment? Instead of just like, rah, rah, rah. yeah, <laughs> the 10 seconds of breathing sounds like a great mindful way to be before you respond. <laughs> yes. Very much. And the not, have you heard of nonviolent communication? Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge game changer. I think just like I grew up in a household where, you know, English was a second language. So I don't know. I think 
we were all very direct Ooh. with everything, which is fine. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I like it, but yeah. I think that there's also a way to like be direct, but also like kind of make sure you care for each person in the conversation. And I think that that really like took communication a step further and also just the mindset, right? I think that's the biggest thing because that's where the practice comes from. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. What is nonviolent communication for anybody that doesn't know? Or what does it mean to you? Nonviolent communication to me is basically taking blame or shame from any statement. And so it's like the the makeup of of the communication is I feel and you insert an actual feeling, which is like the thing I learned, which is like, I feel that you're doing this instead of like, I feel anxious. <laughs> Ooh, uh-huh. Yeah, instead of immediately turning it back to the other person, I feel that you are being mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I, I definitely used to do that. Like I was thinking I was being so thoughtful, but it was actually like a, a little attack. So you know, I feel a feeling, actual feeling, because, and then setting, then then stating the need, because, you know, it's just a, people don't know. <laughs> people don't know what's going on unless you express it, which, yeah, imagine. <laughs> I know it sounds really obvious when you say that, but at the same time, it doesn't like, you know, with my boyfriend, I, or he, we assume the other one can basically read our mind, you know, like you should know that I am anxious today. And so you should not ask me to do the dishes because I'm already anxious about the, you know, like whatever it is. (laughs) You're like, Oh, what if I just said actually how I'm feeling? Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Or I'm hungry. Please feed me first. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. Emotion. I don't know. It could be. (laughs) I mean, hangry. (laughs) Yeah. It, makes sense that you seem to have all this like knowledge of calmly communicating because you're also a yoga teacher, right? Yeah. I took my yoga teacher training three years ago. And part of it was just the the goal was just to advance my yoga knowledge. And it was cool. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was like the first time, you know, like meditation if you practice like a minute a day, then you can go to two minutes, you can go to three minutes, and then you can start implementing it into your life. And, you know, yoga, the sole purpose of yoga is to be present. Mm. Technically, you know, like the conversation we're having with each other and like paying attention to each other, that's a form of yoga. Yeah. And you're sitting in your yoga corner, so you're basically doing yoga anyway. (laughs) Nice blankie. Um, So, yeah, I think it's big in, like, with the grief journey, basically I would, like, push the grief aside for the week, Mm. and then it would blow up. It would be, like, one little thing would tip me off and make me, like, think of all, you know, all the trauma and all the grief, and then I would just, like, cry for the entire day and feel like emotionally, mentally, physically exhausted. So I ended up having to start like grieving every day or like I would set an hour every morning to just like 
weep and then like okay. I like look at pictures and be like oh this is nice you know or think about or like write about you know so she was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and then oh after nine months battle so it was like oh my goodness was quick degradation of of everything yeah you know, was not doing well so it's just hard to watch someone suffer like that uh and it took a while to like be able to not think about it and just think about her mm-hmm. as a human in my life yeah so I think that really helped me to just like sit with it and like acknowledge this deep pain in my body and yeah it's crazy there's so many methods right to deal with these hard things but that was really helpful so you actually scheduled grieving time and at the beginning of the day yeah <laughs> that's my yeah <laughs> did that like I could see it going either way I mean obviously it seemed to work for you if that's the time you chose but I could see it either like setting your day off with like, ah, now we're emotional, but also sounds like maybe it was more of a like, okay, we got it out. We can now do everything else for the day. Yeah. I think it was definitely the latter. Like crying is very effective for me. It's just really, (laughs) uh, it's like, get out. (laughs) Actually, yeah. (laughs) That's really beautiful. Oh my gosh. Speaking of like letting out your grief and sadness through your tears, I saw you post about how your grief also did manifest in physical ways, like actually affected your body. Yeah, that's a huge thing. I, I, so the main thing that I learned with grief and like extreme stress is that, so there's the parasympathetic nervous system and there's a sympathetic nervous system. So sympathetic is like the fight mode, flight for parasympathetic. So both are great. They're great things that they <laughs> survive this world. Uh, mm-hmm. But when you're like always in fight mode, you end up like breathing a little harder and not being able to breathe in the belly. Ooh, and uh-huh. it's called thoracic breath. Uh, so it's like the mid spine and up. And what was happening is that I couldn't breathe for like two years. I was just like always doing this chest breath and it makes the chest really, really tight. So basically, and you'll see it with like anyone who's really stressed out um, or going through something hard is they'll like be a little closed off physically. Mm -hmm. And it's because Uh their pectoral muscles, their chest muscles are so tight from all this breathing that they have to lift their chest up to get breath that was happening. And then my neck got, so I was like haunched over as if I was on the desk all the time. And I was also on the desk all the time. (laughs) So my neck got um, basically started like pinching some nerves. And then I like couldn't like open my hands or like do any planks. Uh, it was really scary because I was like, this is my livelihood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I went like all out and did PT. I went to acupuncture and chiropractor and just was like, we need to fix this. I also learned 
some, I went to like a bunch of workshops. There's a wonderful yoga teacher and yoga therapist, Emily Light in Portland, who teaches workshops and she teaches yoga for anxiety. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Yes. It's, she's awesome. But like one of the huge things, if you're really stressed, just a tip here is that you lay on your belly and bring your hands forward, your elbows out, that forces a belly breath. So if you're having a really stressful day and want to regulate and turn on the flight mode and just slow down your stress, that's a great way to do it. Just stay there for 10 breaths, really slow it down. But yeah, that's like a huge thing. I teach restorative yoga. So it's like people are at restorative yoga for a reason, (laughs) you know, Uh (laughs) to relax. So I'm like, come on, let's relax together. Let's like turn on that parasympathetic nervous system. So the heart rate, like let's ease off the stress in our body because I've experienced it to the max and it's not fun. Like let's take care of ourselves. Yeah. Hearing you say that, I'm like, oh yeah, my posture has definitely gotten worse over the last year, five bajillion days of the pandemic. And, uh, and like, I have been hunched over at my computer, but it's also probably stress, just like inching my yeah. shoulders more. Yeah, totally. It's, I just want to go do some stretching. <laughs> yeah, try out, try it out. It's, it's so yeah. nice. <laughs> are you a coffee drinker or more of a tea person? And what do you like to mix into your caffeinated beverage of choice? Personally, this past year, I've gotten really into oat milk. At one point in the pandemic, I was even making my own, but that didn't really last very long. It did require some effort, and honestly, some mornings, even just making coffee seems like a lot of effort. And that's where Rise Brewing Company comes in. They make nitro cold brew coffee and sell it in cans by itself, or mixed as an oat milk latte, an oat milk mocha, and they do tea too, like an oat milk London fog. Or you can just buy their oat oat milk by itself. Have I said oat milk enough times in the last minute? The point is, Rise provides energy for good people to do good things, and I think their coffee is really good. And their oat milk, obviously. To get some Rise for yourself, click the link in the show notes. It lets Rise know we sent you and helps support our show. I love plants. You probably already knew that. But as of just a couple of years ago, I was convinced I would forever be a plant killer. That is until I met the plant doctors. They're two women, Chelsea and Skylar, in Portland, who love helping people and businesses figure out how to care for their plants. And they sell cute plants and adorable plant pots, too. They have brought lots of green beauty into my house. And they just launched something super fun a plant club. They're calling it the Clean Air Plant Club. Because, fun fact, plants actually do clean the air. For $20 a month, your subscription will get you a new 4-inch plant every month, plus 10% off all workshops and 10% off anything else you buy when you go pick up your plant in person. Go sign up for the Clean Air Plant Club right now at theplantdocs.com. And while you're on their website, if you feel like you need a new plant right now, which, let's be honest, you probably do use the code Cassidy for 15% off your order. Again, code Cassidy at theplantdocs.com. 
Now, back to the show. What does it feel like now that it's actually out in the world? Like people are reading your book and buying your book and reading this story that is very personal to you. But also if you just read the book and didn't know anything about your story, you know, it's not too personal. (laughs) Right. I mean, I feel really good about it being in the world. I think that there's definitely a certain set of people that it like really resonates with and that's all I care about. So, you know, the, the goal is that like, you know, at least one person feel connected and understands what was going on, but also hoping that it was like a tool, like if a friend who had a friend who was sad was able to read this book and say like, Oh yeah, this is like kind of how I could be there. Yeah. Because it's like, we all kind of don't know. (laughs) We kind of all are like, I don't know what to say. That's a really hard situation. And even just saying that can be helpful. Like, instead of just being like, ah, you know, like, sad, I don't know. So it's, I think there's a lot of things that can be helpful, or I hope so. Totally. Do you imagine like parents and kids reading it together and maybe that opens up some of those conversations too? That's my hope. And I think one of the reasons that we didn't put any blatant reason why Jenny Mae is sad in here is because it's, there's a lot of reasons why people can be sad, right? Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you could just have a bad day, right? There's just many different ways. And I think that it'll help people see themselves in this book a little bit more. I also have seen you talk about, speaking of seeing yourself in a book, that that's something that you are consciously working on, like in this book, maybe giving representation to kids that might not see themselves in a lot of books or movies. Is that how you felt growing up? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm uh, half Taiwanese and it was non-existent growing up to see any mixed kids, let alone Asians or Asian Americans. There's like Definitely my mom would just get every single book featuring any Asian Asian American. And it was like, you know, this little pile uh, that (laughs) I could like definitely see myself in. But it was just, you know, I I think also generationally it's kind of rare to have interracial couples, uh, at least in my generation. And it's more, more happening more and more in the U.S. So it's time to, to spread <laughs> the representation. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we talk about mental health, being sad, being happy on this podcast all the time, obviously. And I like on the surface saying like, ooh, children being able to see themselves in something like on the very surface doesn't sound like mental health. But obviously thinking deeper, I could imagine that would have a big effect on how you actually feel about yourself and the world. Oh yeah, totally. There is, you know, there was definitely a deep obsession with Mulan <laughs> as a child because it was like, yeah, this is my girl. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I would definitely I got an eat a message from one of my neighbors the other day who who read the book and she's like, wow, I'm so glad that you have Jenny May in this book, like my daughter can read it and feel she sees herself in here. So it feels good. Yeah. Yeah. I also have seen you post about 
like when you started out in this profession, creating and writing, your goal was just to make people happy, right? <laughs> yes. Which is funny because this is called Jenny May. <laughs> Yeah. Right, but it's not like it's not called make Jenny May sad. Like make right. all your friends sad. Like the goal is to make her feel happier. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And uh, you know, friendship is very happy. So you know, we all we all feel it when we read, when we watch any movies or television. When we can connect with the story in any little way, it can just bring us into a different place, and that's. It's awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> what are some other types of self-care that you've learned have been really helpful for you? Oh, bubble tea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I really love bubble tea. It's like the caffeine, the sugar. It's like everything you need in a cup. <laughs> bubble baths. All the bubbles. <laughs> All the bubbles, like get some Epsom salt in there. There's so many different ways that we relieve stress. I feel like it's evolved over time. But right now, those are those are two big ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And going on walks is a huge thing. It'll just be like, oh, a flower. <laughs> That's so pretty. <laughs> right. If you actually like don't look for me, if I don't look at my phone and I actually like go on a walk and look at the world, there's a lot of beautiful things. I've been doing that in my neighborhood, there's all roses popping up. I'm like, let me stop and smell the roses. Like, who am I? I feel so cheesy. I'm literally stopping and smelling the roses, but they they're beautiful. It. <laughs> and, it, and it does something nice for my brain, I swear. <laughs> yeah, the unplugging factor is so huge. Which I like to pretend is not real, but when I do it, I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm, I need this for sure. <laughs> Another thing that I saw you post about that I thought was really cool was that I don't know if it's during the year or after the fact, the last couple of years, you've ended up with a theme for your year in your life. Like you said that last year was joy. 2019 was compassion. 2018 was vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And like, was it a conscious thing or was it more like the end of the year? Oh, I learned a lot in this th category this year. Hmm. It's definitely a conscious thing. Uh, and it's just something that I noticed, like, that I want to practice with myself that I, like, if I do it, I, if I've done it just a little bit, like, wow, you know, this is actually pretty awesome. And this is something I'm going to practice in my work, in how I treat my relationships, and like how I present myself. So yeah, the joy one good <laughs> thumbs up <laughs> joyful so what's the biggest thing you've learned over the year of joy uh that it comes in many forms it's like mm. I think there's there's so many things especially over the past year it's like you gotta be happy you just gotta do something that makes you feel okay I mean something as little as like we got a dog Yes. Adoption, which is wonderful. And I already work from home. So <laughs> anyways, right. As you said that my dog, he's been sleeping over there the whole time. And he started like walking around. He's like, she's talking about a dog. <laughs> yeah, it's just like watching those like little behaviors. <laughs> it could be like literally like a five second thing. And it's just like, wow, that was, that made my day. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. yeah, just finding joy in little things and 
I think little things also, I think there's like a TED talk out there. It was like five minutes long about your language and how just changing the language can change your positivity. That thing where like people who are on social media have, you know, a hundred wonderful comments and then one bad one and that can like just bring you down. Mm -hmm. It's kind of true. So it's kind of a psychological thing that we go through. It's like when we're here, this is like our regular spot and then something negative happens and we go down and it like plummets a little bit more. And then we have to really like positively, positively, like really bring it back up to that normal. But where if you like always tend to use positive language, it like goes up from there and then you can be at like a higher point. And then if something negative comes down, then it just like is easier to bounce back up or stay above that, you know, average mindset line, whatever that is. Yeah. So little things I'm trying to do is like, I think a lot of people are, it's, it's easy to say like, oh, I have to work late tonight or something. And then I've been thinking like, oh, what if I say I get to work? <laughs> or remind myself, you're a freaking children's book <laughs> author and yeah. illustrator. That is so cool. Like, I feel like everyone is like, what? <laughs> you do that? So just reminding myself like, I'm here. This is cool. This is working on this sweet book right now. Let's get it. So just those little, just one word changes can make a difference too. But it still takes a lot of practice. Totally. If you're loving this episode of Mentally Together, you might be curious. What goes on behind the scenes? Which parts of the conversation were left on the cutting room floor? Well, let's talk about it over on Patreon. My patrons get to see deleted video clips from every episode and get to be the first to ask questions of each podcast guest. Like from this episode, Tracy told me a little more about what it's like to write and illustrate a book behind the scenes, but it just didn't fit into this whole bigger conversation about mental health. So if you're curious how it works to come up with a story idea, write it out, and then turn it into an illustrated book, that's over on Patreon. You can read all about the different tiers and sign up at patreon.com slash Cassidy Quinn. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Cassidy Quinn. Okay, now we have a couple of questions from our friends on the internet. So the first one is Sarah says, I have been sad, and she says with depression, for years, but I've never actually talked to my kids about that. Do you have any advice for opening up that conversation? Oh, I think it's really helpful to talk about it, right? Because, I mean, for one, identifying your feelings is, like, huge for the other person to, to like, know what's happening and know, like, oh, I could support you right now. Or, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is what's happening in this moment. How to open it up. I mean, you could use the book. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you can get it from the store, from the library. They're at libraries <laughs> everywhere. Oh, cool. Just open the conversation up and just say, like, have you been sad? Like, or 
Did, was there anything that made you sad over the last week? Well, I get sad quite often and here's what I do to feel better and maybe stating a need. Like sometimes when I am sad, I need a hug or I need someone there to listen and then kind of opening that discussion so we can open that that little part of your relationship up. Um, so especially in case your children have any issues that they're dealing with, then they can feel like they can be vulnerable with you as well. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's a really great answer. Yeah. That's beautiful. Sounds simple. If you just follow that, even though I'm sure in the moment it will feel very impossible. Yeah. But we're not saying it's easy. No. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Jenna says, I've always wanted to try drawing, but I feel really bad at it. She relates to me because I'm like, oh, people that can draw are so cool. But I tried drawing when I was like 10 and I was bad. So now I think I'm just bad forever. Um, So she said, any advice for actually trying to start drawing? (laughs) Oh, oh, my gosh. There's so many ways. (laughs) about this for me there's two different routes like if you want to like be the most awesome drawer ever then I would say to start by like looking at things and drawing what you see and being curious with yourself I think is a huge thing I definitely I think everyone can draw even if they're bad drawings I think they're really cool so (laughs) something to think about like if you look at a pattern or like if you look at the drawings that are out there there I met this editor art director once who said I make money doing bad drawings (gasps) like as long as you're a professional like as long as you like drawing or like what you're doing you can do whatever you want like (laughs) there is a a place for it so if you're like just more like I like drawing I want to draw then just I would get a sketchbook and just draw on it and have fun like maybe put a show on or go outside and have a nice sit and draw at the park and draw the thing you want to really want to draw and draw it over and over and over again and it'll eventually get easier and more fun because then once you have that practice in then you can add your own flair to it and if you like drawing flowers maybe you can draw like a flower monster eventually. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> sky's the limit. But totally. I think the biggest thing is be curious and have fun. I like that. Yeah. I've been trying to get more into like journaling and uh I'm like, okay, I can doodle in there and like no literally no one ever has to see it. Like yeah. if it's horrible it doesn't matter. And it's just me doodling. No one will ever see it. But then sometimes I'll think like Ooh, I want to draw the other day. I wanted to draw a brain. And so I just Googled like how to draw a brain. And I don't know if it's teaching me any skills in the long term, but like people have also just recorded tutorials to tell you exactly how to draw things. And then, you know, if I get better at it, I can start adding my own stuff. But at least it was like, oh, whoa, whoa, I drew a brain. Cool. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. You got it. Oh, thank you. And then Allison says, is there a book, song, or movie like your book from your childhood that helped you when you were sad? Oh, gosh. So, <laughs> I actually was thinking of doing like a, 
a post or newsletter about it. So many. Let me think. <laughs> okay. So I noticed the first thing that comes to mind, I read A Monster Calls, uh, which is a middle grade or YA book. Um, they ended up making a film out of it, which I don't oh, think yeah. I've seen, but I read that like right before my mom passed away. It was really helpful for me because in the story, so basically uh, this boy's mother is sick and there's a monster who like talks to him. <laughs> and basically like what I got from it was that he kind of like had this huge emotion that was, he was holding on to. And then it, it was like consuming him until it burst in a way. And that's exactly how it feels. Like, I was just like, I feel heard right now, you know, like that, because it just is, it really consumes your mental state and physical state um, in many ways. Um, So that was a huge one. And then I'd say like after the fact, any show that Mindy Kaling has produced (laughs) helpful. Yes. So Never Have I Ever was really lovely. Have you seen it? It was so good. It was so good. I hadn't thought about it in a while because I binge watched it so quickly. Yeah. Uh, So easy to watch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I was like, there was a point where I had investigated it a little bit. Her, her, one of her parents passed away from cancer, I think in like, oh my gosh. So then I was thinking like, wow, is this just you know, our experiences really do come across creatively. I can tell that happens with her. She did the four weddings and a funeral TV show as well. And both of the main characters there, they have like a parent who passed away and they bond through that. So it's just Mm. like, huh, that's cool to, to see that and how, how people deal with it and how they, are able to open up or are not able to open up, you know? Yeah. It's just a journey. And more proof that everybody's connected and everybody's going through something, whether it's totally apparent on the surface or you think they're just making a funny show. And yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. Last but not least, we have the quick round of questions that we ask everyone on the podcast. (laughs) Are you ready? Yes. When was the last time you cried? Yesterday. <laughs> My mom was a bunny. Uh, she's a rabbit in Zodiac. Um, oh. The Chinese Zodiac. And every time I see a bunny, I think she's checking it. Oh. I saw one. And it was like in the middle of an argument with my partner. And then I was like, it's a bunny. And he's like, oh, it's a bunny. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, I like, ah. <laughs> So... My nice. mom's like, stop fighting, guys. Okay, it's time to hug. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. Okay, what about the last time, the opposite, last time you had a big belly laugh? Oh, God. Also yesterday. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, TikTok. TikTok is a beautiful thing. Oh, my gosh. What are you grateful for right now? Right now? I, gosh, a lot of things. <laughs> I'm grateful. My partner has been working in Africa. He's here right now. So I'm really grateful that he's here and that I have an awesome dog and awesome friends. 
and I list like 10,000 things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just turned in two books this month and it's been insane. And I um, turned the last of it in yesterday. So I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'm like grateful to take a break. <laughs> yeah. And launch a book at the same time. Holy cow. Wow. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. What sound can calm you down or bring you joy when you hear it? Michael Jackson's PYT. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Happy music. Yeah. What yeah. about a smell that does the same thing? I mean, food in general is good. <laughs> Just the smell of good food. Or a flower. I mean, we talked about roses. It's been nice. Yeah. What is the best thing you do for your mental health? Probably laugh. Ooh. Yeah. I've been taking breaks. I've been just watching TikTok and laugh to laugh and like going yes. for a walk with my dog and sometimes with my partner. I think that like those daily things are nice. Scheduled yeah. laughing time, just like your scheduled crying time. Yes. Which also when I heard you say, I literally had therapy yesterday and she was like, I think what you should try is scheduled worrying time. I'm like, yeah. Tracy, you're speaking. Are you my therapist? Where did you get this information? She's like a half an hour at the end of the day. That's when you get to worry. Okay. For like, okay. Okay, cool. I can save my worrying. I think till the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really helpful to just be like, okay, let's, let's, <laughs> let's do yeah. all the things now. That's where we get it out right now. Yeah, totally. What about the worst thing you do for your mental health that maybe you're working on not doing? I mean, I remember when I talked about breathing before, before mm-hmm. talking, I think I could do that more. Yeah. <laughs> there, there are things that are in progress, but I'm also like, yeah, it could be better. Like just kind of remembering that everyone is going through their own stuff and being in a space of compassion instead of like feeling defensive or having any shoulder chips. Mm-hmm. back to food again (laughs) what is your favorite thing about your brain my favorite thing about my brain it's uh very weird and very very imaginative I love it I definitely have an overactive imagination and I think my visual brain really aids that where I can like look at the forest and like imagine like some kind of big leggy creature <laughs> out and it's really fun it's fun to be here <laughs> in your brain that's so cool that's a great thing to be able to say that it's fun to be in your brain mm-hmm. <laughs> what's your biggest guilty pleasure oh trash tv it's so nice to turn the brain off and be like these problems are small <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah yeah right you're like they've got issues going on my life is pretty great yeah if you wrote a biography what would it be called you're probably like already working on one (laughs) something like a plate and a half of dumplings or something like (laughs) (laughs) it would definitely be about like my experience being half asian and like you know growing up with as first generation american but also about food because (laughs) yeah (laughs) what is something you're really good at that people might not know i'm pretty good at making dumplings just to run it out that from that list yes and the last one is the most random of course if you had to get something tattooed on your forehead like somehow 
we're in this weird, stupid future that I've created and everyone's getting a forehead tattoo that's like your message to yourself when you look in the mirror, but also to people when you walk outside. Um, what would your forehead tattoo say? My goodness. Could also be a drawing. My forehead? Oh, it would definitely be like a tiger. Ooh. Yeah. A tiger, maybe with some flowers to be like, oh. I'm all that. I'm not all scary. Oh, like I nap a lot and <laughs> just fierce when I need to be. But yeah, I'm a tiger in the Chinese zodiac and I'm a Leo. So I'm like double. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Very fierce. That's awesome. And then, of course, where can people find you? Where can they find your books? Yeah. So you can check out my books on my website, tracysubasak.com. I'm the only Tracy Subasak. Sweet. in the world. <laughs> so I'm very Googleable. I'm at Tracy Subasak on Instagram. I have four other books. Sign makes a friends. Sean loves sharks. <laughs> Grizzly boy. Oh and Lamar wings. Those are my other books that I've illustrated that are out now. I've got two books coming out next year. So it's going to be fun. And also I'm just starting to, I'm going to start a newsletter. So yes, you can go on my website. There's a little link at the top to join. I'm going to do a giveaway for mm-hmm. Jenny May is sad. So anyone who signs up will be in the running to get yes. a free book. And I'll have more information about that up on the newsletter and on Instagram. So I hope to see you all there. And then is there anything else that we didn't talk about, about your book or your life or anything that you would like to, that I didn't ask you about that you want people to know? If you need some yoga, go ahead and check out Flex and Flow, an online digital studio. So you can see me there. You can, we'll start doing in-studio classes as well starting next month if all goes well yeah fingers crossed (laughs) and i'm just really happy to be here i'm really happy to chat with you you're so easy to talk with and thanks yeah so are you i appreciate you doing this this has been wonderful i obviously loved your book i'm gonna read it again tell everybody about it and i've learned a lot from all of the things that you've learned over the years of being sad and happy and everything in between so thank you (laughs) Thank you. And thank you, wonderful human, for listening to this episode of Mentally Together. We release new episodes every Monday, except for sometimes like this week when life gets in the way and it comes out on Wednesday. So I, Cassidy Quinn, will see you next week. In the meantime, go do something nice for your brain today. Go have a nice chat with a friend, drink some bubble tea, read Tracy's book, Jenny May is Sad. Whatever will make your day just a little bit better. Oh, and because you made it all the way to the end of the episode, let me clue you in on what's going to happen right here on the Mentally Together podcast for the next few weeks. We're going to be starting something called Mindfully Together, a series of 10-minute meditations that you can do from your home, on your floor, out in the woods, wherever feels good to you. I started meditating a couple of years ago, and I used to resist it so hard. My ADHD brain was like, what? You want me to sit still and be quiet for a chunk of time? That's not possible. But I swear, it has changed my brain. It has helped my anxiety. And no, I am still not, quote, perfect at it. But that is not the point. But for the next few weeks, I'm going to be in Tokyo, Japan, covering the 2020, or now 2021, Summer Olympics. So while I'm over there, instead of releasing full episodes, you will get these little mini meditations. 
If you've never tried meditating, don't worry. There's no pressure. You don't have to do it. You don't have to sit through the whole thing. You don't even have to sit still. But maybe give it a shot and maybe you'll enjoy it. Because remember, we are all just trying to keep ourselves mentally together. Together is produced, hosted, and edited by Cassidy Quinn in collaboration with Coba FM, a podcast network that is all about community, baby.